All right, buddy, that was a wonderful testimony. Thank you, Les, and thank you all for your giving. Um, today, we don't have a teaching sheet available uh, because there are a number of things that I feel like I'm supposed to share somewhat prophetically, and um, they're all going to weave together, but I didn't know how to put that into an outline and I really didn't want to forecast an outline since I don't really know where all the Spirit is wanting us to go this morning. But I do know that we're going to begin by looking at Zechariah chapter 8. So that passage will be probably up there soon. There it is. Thank you, Scott and Sylvie. Um, Sylvie's not here, but did you know that every week, every Sunday, Sylvie prepares the PowerPoint for us? Did you know that? And... Um, so we thank her for that, and I don't acknowledge that uh, as often as I should, but thank you, Sylvie. Okay, a couple of things. Number one, I declare the blood of Jesus over all of you and over all of our network and um, our network family. <clears throat> and I proclaim that God's going to continue to preserve you and keep you. And uh, I know that... Um, uh, Judge Jenkins here and uh, Governor Abbott and a lot of other places around the country are talking about hot spots and rises in COVID, but I'm declaring that the blood of Jesus is still able to keep you and preserve you, and that's what we're relying on, and so I proclaim that again over you just as a point of, of, uh, uh, of agreement, and I know you do that over your life every day, not because the blood... Um, loses its efficacy after 24 hours, but that you need to remind yourself and you need to remind the environment and you need to remind the enemy and you need to remind the atmospheres that you're under the covering of the blood of Jesus and this pestilence is going to pass over you. So we declare that afresh over all of you. Second is that Monica, when she was teaching this morning, mentioned and taught a little bit about this in a number of aspects in her, her Sunday school teaching, uh, that there is a, we've talked about this for the past number of months here, and, and the way that the Lord is revealing himself, and the, the way that he is coming upon us. And um, it, it's, it really is a different thing, even though you know it's the same Lord. And I just want to encourage you, to welcome that. If, if you're in your house in prayer or you've come here and you feel the Lord pressing upon you, welcome him. Don't, don't just experience it and say, well, that was neat. Welcome him. And it's interesting that that, you know, that word that she referenced about the spirit falling upon is, is a word that's used throughout the New Testament, like when the crowd pressed upon Jesus to try to reach to him. It's that same word. And it really is, um, it really is a, a coming to either seize upon or to press upon uh, or to basically to reach to you. And so when you feel that, it's... it's that God is extending to you because he loves you, but there's a new dimension of what he's wanting to work in us. 
So when you feel that, recognize that it's, it's not just him visiting, even though that's wonderful. It's him extending to you. And so receive that. Experience it, yes, and, and enjoy him. But receive it. And um, I, I also know that, you know, like, like Peter talked about it, and he, he was telling about what happened at Cornelius' house, and he said the Spirit fell on us as he did at the beginning. And so it's not like this is a description of God's presence all the time. You know what I mean? You can feel God's presence. He's with you all the time, and you do have different dimensions of, of, of exchange with him. But Peter referenced to the man at Jerusalem and explaining what happened in Cornelius' house, that it was like happened to us at the beginning. So uh, it wasn't like, you know, sometimes we, we confuse the, the Spirit of the Lord and then we get down on ourselves and we don't really discern the Spirit. We don't discern what He's doing and what it means. And so when God first began to move among us, you know, the, the presence of the Lord came and visited and we had to receive. And, um, and that, that honeymoon experience where God was forming the basis of what the saints would be through us, uh, and I know that there are other pockets of saints around the world, many of whom we've not met yet, but you know, it's not like, boy, I wish it was the way it was at the beginning. Well, you better think about what you're saying, because how many times does God have to give this to you? I mean, if, if you keep getting the same lesson and experience, that means you're flunking and you're revisiting the class. I don't want to flunk, you know? If um, those of you who are teachers see the same kid in your class taking the same lessons three or four years, something's wrong. And so um, Peter says, it's the same as what happened to us at the beginning, and those guys and women were functioning on the basis of what that was. And so then Cornelius entered in, and God came. And, you know, there are several instances of that in the Scripture. And we experience that when we go in ministry, uh, when we go and, and communicate this commission to people who've never heard it before. And the Spirit comes upon them. And it's up to them then to receive it. And um, it's refreshing. But it's not like when you go out, oh, yes, we've missed something here at the church because we felt this over here. We really have to grow up and recognize we're in a partnership with God. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing in every relationship. I mean, you can't expect things to be the way they were the first time you lock eyes, locked eyes on somebody. I mean, you can go off that that experience and that love and you grow but some people get addicted to that kind of euphoria and they find a person and then they've got to keep finding other people and you know it's it really it, it displays a flaw in them and and so with God he's he's new every morning so what can I say about what this falling upon is now we're entering we're in a new season and there are new things that God wants to be indoctrinating us into and exposing us to in him. 
And we need to, when we feel this pressing upon, and there's a difference, but how will I know the difference? Well, you're going to have to discern. How do, how do you know when you walk and you smell roast cooking? You know, you just know. You've learned what that means. A little kid may not know, but you've smelled it enough that you know what it is. Or when someone's baking bread in the oven, you know what that smell is. I remember when I was telling the twins about when I was a little boy, our church was in downtown Pittsburgh, and there was a little park outside, and there was a White Castle hamburger place across from the park. So every time we'd come outside, we'd smell those burgers cooking. And immediately I knew, woo, that's a hamburger. Now, we didn't have the money to go over and buy one, but it sure smelled good standing there. So you've got to learn how to discern the fragrance of what he's doing and, and recognize. I think that's one of the dimensions of the discerning of spirits, that grace gift that God is awakening in us and that God is imparting to us. But there are new things that he wants to press upon you for this season. And when you sense that dimension, that weightiness come, that, you know, enjoy him, yes. But make sure you do what's necessary for a falling upon at any beginning where you welcome and receive. And you say, yes, Lord, I want that, just as Cornelius did. And that was, the, that was to me, you know, we remember the P Peter's discussion about, um, you know, how could I be disobedient to the heavenly vision? We remember that. But to me, one of the key phrases was when he said, it fell upon them like it fell upon us. And that meant to all of those people, this is a God thing. And he is entrusting what he gave to us. He's now entrusting it to them and to the reality of the Gentile church. And to me, they knew what that meant. And so that, that had a, a great bearing upon them. So uh, I, I concur with the prophetic assessment that part of what God is doing afresh today is giving us things that we need for this season. And it's all relationship. You know, we don't, at this point, we need to commune with the Father and not need for somebody to lay hands on us to jolt us into it. I mean, I want his hand. I mean, we just had a teaching in Sunday school about reminding us of the anointing in the hand. And um, part of that anointing comes when we take that hand for a new dimension of, of moving in the spirit. Um, another thing that uh, I sensed this morning during Sunday school, um, it was a discussion, part of a discussion about the Antichrist. And I think that now that, you know, those little short exhortations, those primers that uh, the Lord's been having me give, and there have been a lot of other things that have been offered on our different sites, and I'm grateful for all of them. I enjoy listening and seeing. But um, I'm going to start one this coming Thursday about um, how, to, how to deal with, from the Scripture, how to deal with... Uh, the influence of the Antichrist that we sense in society. And uh, I don't know how long that'll go on. Um, I just off the top of my head as I was searching scriptures during Sunday school, I was listening, but I, that's the way I study. I, I'm reading something, I'm listening to something, I've got another thing over here and my brain's firing on four or five different things. And if I'm just locked onto one thing, 
I'm, I'm going to drift off because <laughs> I'm burning on one cylinder. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's at least 10 of them. And, um, and there's probably going to be an extrapolation from that. So just look for that, and it'll come uh, starting on Thursday. But I feel that we need that. We need that encouragement to stand strong. We're not focusing on the enemy, but we're not ignorant of his devices. We want to be able to capture the anointing of the Spirit that God has given us and know how to apply it to what we're sensing in the world. So, anyway, that's coming. Um, okay. So, it's the seventh month, and the scripture that has uh, patiently been waiting for me on the screen behind me is reminding us that we are again in a fast of feasting month. And um, bitterness is something that um, the enemy deals in. And this past Wednesday night, I spoke about uh, iniquity found, and I spoke about how that, uh, that verse from Ezekiel that talks about the enemy that, that type of iniquity is really the feeling of injustice and the feeling that you have been shortchanged or are about to be shortchanged, real or imagined, and that's the iniquity that was found in Satan. And he has used that throughout, since that time, for mankind. Um, you know, and I think it began with Cain and Abel. Uh, it probably began with Eve because, you know, what the serpent said to her was, you know, God's holding out on you. You know, um, he knows that if you do this, you'll be much better off than what you are. What is that? That's an injustice. You know, God, there's God privilege and then there's you and you're missing it. And so Eve acted and Adam acted. And then Cain got angry because he felt his brother was getting more plaudits and more, uh, more favor from God in the sacrifice. And the essence was that Cain disobeyed, but that was besides the point. And he rose up in that perceived injustice and killed his brother. And it goes on from there. And really... You know, you, you hear a lot today in, in our society, and I'm not going to go too far with this, but um, you have to remember that every socialist and every Marxist uh, move has been based upon the feeling of injustice. And somebody's up, somebody's down. Well, we've got to rise up and knock the, the ones up that are, the ones that are up down, and then we'll come up. And you look at it, every one of them, even in Hitler's Germany, which was really not socialism, even though it was called the National Socialists, um, it was more of a fascist bent. It was more of an intermingling of the two. But he, he had to demonize the Jews, you know, and he did that for a number of years before he finally started the Kristallnacht and all the other things that uh, has famously been done in ignominy. And... Um, so, but, but for us, we've talked about that kind of thing in regard to bitterness. And we've talked about how that the Lord put the bitter sop in the midst of the table uh, of, uh, of commune. And at, at, for all of us, the key point for bitterness, and this is a month of 
the fast of feasting where you purge bitterness. And as we've taught on this a number of times, and probably dozens of times, so I'm just assuming that everybody hearing this is aware of that teaching. But the four months, the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth, commemorated things that Israel felt that they had lost. And uh, so they, they turned them into total months of mourning. And God, after, after 70 years, said, I've had enough of this. It's time now for you to be prepared to go into your point of prophetic fulfillment, and you've got to purge this nonsense out of you. So instead of these four months where you lament and complain and really have uh, issues within yourself, I want you to fast that, and I want you to move in uh, verse 16. Speak every man the truth, the emet, the fulfillment of the aman. That's what emet is. You remember that. I want you to speak about the fulfillment of what I have promised and prophesied to you. Make sure that's reiterated to your neighbor. And execute the judgment of that, the judgment of that emet, the application of it. Um, uh, execute, ex execute that and the peace that God is going to do what he said he was going to do in your gates. And uh, let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. Don't, don't embrace a false hope and don't become passionate about it. Boy, are we seeing that today. For all these things I hate, says Yahweh. And the word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months shall be the house of Judah, joy and gladness, cheerful feasts. Therefore, love the truth and peace. There it is. That connection, truth and peace, over and over again. What God has said at his right hand and the fulfillment of it. And uh, the totality of that. You, you embrace that. Thus says the Lord, it shall come to pass that there will come people and the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city will go to another saying, let us go speedily to pray before Yahweh and to seek Yahweh of hosts, and I will go also, yea, my people, many people, uh, and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of out of all the languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt, the kanaf, of him that is an ish, uh, a, a mature one, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that Elohim is with you. We are stepping into that, and we have been. The nations are opening, and, um, you know, I think we all know that this year of wisdom has been uh, the recipient of some blockages and some hindrances, but we're holding on to everything God said, and we're expanding and developing, and uh, we're going to see the nations reached in ways that are, are going to surprise and even uh, mystify us. And so we need to do our very best to look over ourselves in this month and Make sure that there's not some bitterness in us. And you're the only one that's going to be able to judge that. Sometimes there are layers of that. And I told you at the beginning of this year, I kept feeling 
such strong, uh, over, almost overwhelming presence of the enemy coming and trying to reveal himself. And I think that's been manifesting throughout the world. And when he would come, I would feel just, just like uh, taking a, a lit match and waving it over to see if there's any fuel. And, and um, I would feel all of a sudden things, points of anger that I didn't know from years ago I was angry about. And, and just, it was, it was like this type of spirit of bitterness, whether it's a wormwood or not, would, when it would, when it would come and I would, I would feel that, I, I talked about this, we talked about this, um, I would feel just overwhelmed and I would begin to pray in the spirit. But the first couple times it came, it was like, again, it would ignite things in me that I didn't even know were there. Things that happened in the past, things that, I, uh, that we survived, but I just kind of blew off and thought, you know, there, there are things that happen in our lives, aren't they, that, that some of them really irritate us and some of them are just an aggravation and you just get past it, you give them the Heisman and you move on. And even those ones where I, I do not understand this Heisman, it's, Luke, I'll explain it to you on Tuesday. But, you know, I just gave it the glad hand and moved on. But even then, I recognized that the enemy could see that there was a point where bitterness was lurking, even though I hadn't acted on it. And so I really feel that, you know, after the first couple of times, I recognized what was going on. And so immediately when I sensed this enemy opposition would come, I would declare the blood over myself and I would begin to pray in the Spirit, and I would, begin to, I would begin to speak prophetically over what we're called to be and to do. And the very thing that the enemy would try to ignite, um, I would begin to give thanks to the Lord for his provision, and I would speak forgiveness, and I'd just be done with it quick. And, you know, I haven't felt that presence come in a long time, but I know it was an indication of what the enemy is really doing across our nation and across the world. So um, I believe that we need to make sure that, like David prayed, search me, O God, know my way, see if there be any wicked way in me, and commit that to the Lord and declare during this fast of feasting month that you want that all out of you. Because, see, remember what we've taught about bitterness. Uh, and uh, particularly in conjunction with the table of the Lord. You know, you can receive the best word from God and the most powerful application of the blood, but if you don't deal with that bitterness, that's exactly where the enemy's going to hit. And it doesn't matter how anointed you are and how great the word is that you've been given, you can be destroyed from within. You know, there's an ancient Chinese uh, writing called The Art of War, and it, it advocates over and over again that the best way to defeat a, a superior opponent is from within. And um, the enemy knows that. The enemy knows that about us. I mean, we can be the mighty men and women of God, but if we don't have uh, ourselves submitted from within, we can be defeated. And so I believe with this, 
that God is giving us an anointing that will be able to uh, counteract the delusion that a lot of people have been uh, overcome by. But the main thing is that we need to be walking in freedom. So I remind you of this. The objective is for many to see that you are a mature one, that God is with you, and they're going to want to come. They're going to take hold of the hem of the garment, which means they're going to embrace the calling and the mission that God has given to you as an identity as a saint, and they're, they're going to, to want to come. But we've got to make sure as the Lord of hosts, and we said well, the first, one of the first teachings we ever did on this was that it was over and over again the Lord of hosts, the armies of the Lord. And, you know, we need to move in the anointing, and we need to be ready to move on behalf of the angelic armies and to move with them. And it's important for us to recognize that it's the Lord of hosts that is commissioning this kind of thing. And I, I just want to encourage you through this month that you, um, that you embrace the Lord and that you continue to speak truth and peace in your own life and you eradicate the bitterness that could be there. And for heaven's sake, don't pick up the injustice of somebody else. You know, don't, don't do that. I mean, it's, it's, you want to talk about COVID being, uh, uh, what do they say it is? And we're under the blood, so we can, we're not worried about it. But they say it's highly contagious. This stuff of the enemy is highly contagious. So don't, don't mingle with it. War on behalf of the Lord. Do your, do you, do your warfare and intercession. But, um, we want to be in right alignment with the angelic hosts as sons of God. And so that's what this is. And that's what this seventh month is. And it, it couldn't have come at a more appropriate time, right? It, it, it is just perfectly timed in the Lord. Now, there's one other thing that um, I shared this past Wednesday, and I subsequently sent an email out to this to many in this congregation if I didn't if you didn't receive one that means that I don't have your email address so you you might want to contact uh, uh, Ruby or write it down and give it to me and I'll add you to my little my little list um, silence silence fast 30 minutes a day and um, you know I I gave you a bunch of scriptures on Wednesday night, but then in the letter I also spoke about the silence in heaven in Revelation 8 for a space of a half an hour. And I want to say two things about this because I think we need to really be instructed on this so you, we, we know what we're doing, what, what, what God has asked us to do, and as we're doing it, we know what we're doing. Uh, I love that passage in Revelation 8 because it's right at the time where the little book that Jesus had at the right hand of the throne, uh, the writings on, in within and on the back, and there were seven seals. And when you come to the seventh seal in Revelation 8, 
It's then that God says, uh, obviously, he's mandated by him, and John spoke of it, that there was silence in heaven for the space of about a half hour. And then a mighty angel went and gained the incense, which was the prayers of the saints, and burned it on the altar that is before the throne, between the throne and the temple of the tabernacle. And um, then he took that and cast it upon the earth, this, this intercession. And then the seven angels with the seven trumpets began to prepare themselves. It doesn't say how long it took them before they started to blow their horns. But that progression is very key for us because we are partnering with our Lord at the right hand of the throne for what is in that little book. And um, it shows the connection between silence and those prayers of the saints which God exalts as a gift to him. And that was burned in the midst of that silence. And it was also cast then upon the earth in the midst of that silence. And I suspect that, you know, with all the verses of Scripture that God speaks about in uh, be still and know that I am God, let all the earth keep silence, the Lord is in his holy temple. You know, all of the verses where God speaks about stillness and silence, they're all in a place in a placement where God is about to do something, where God is about to speak, where there's an anticipation of a move of his spirit. And that silence is like, first, first of all, like a gift to God. And it, it, it is when he acknowledges the, the prayers that have been offered. And he, and he, he really, he really uh, uh, puts showcases, as, as it were, before himself. And, and so I think that the first thing we need to recognize is that God is about to do something um, that is of incredible dimension. And I, I believe that we must be faithful to pray as saints because um, there's a connection between that in heaven and this silence and then what will happen as that book is open because uh, the seals will all have been opened and the release of the trumpets. Um, but, I, but I think for us, we need to recognize that this silence, yes, it's going to have an effect in the nation. Yes, it's going to have an effect in a lot of ways in the spirit realm. But the most important thing is that it's being done as unto God. He's preparing us as saints, and he is positioning something that he's going to do that is beyond our ability to conceive of at this moment. So this silence, yes, it is going to have an effect in silencing the lying lips and silencing the mouths of the enemy and silencing the agendas of the enemy who would try to stop what God... He's trying to change the times. He's trying to, he's trying to um, circumvent the plan of God, as Daniel said, and he's trying to limit this season that God has given. And we're not going to permit him to do that. And it's important for us to be praying as saints and to be confident and to know 
that what we're doing is before the eternal God. We're not in fear. We're not, uh, we're not in unrest. We've got to know that we're in Him. And our prayers are serving Him. And His, uh, our, our prayers and diversities of tongues are speaking of those, those things that He's wanted to do from the foundation of the earth. And we as saints are committed to restoration and the true holiness of what God's will is. And so this needs to be our perspective, but we know that silence is something that always um, is a preemptory, that's not a good word, a, something that happens at the beginning for a welcoming of what God is going to release from his temple. So this is something important for us to do. Now the other aspect of silence, and this is the last aspect, uh, is that I've noticed that, you know, we've done a few of these as God has directed over the years. But there's something different that's happening during this one. And I can, I'm only speaking to myself because I'm not inside you. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? Um, I am too. But um, the, um, <laughs> you know, when you first enter into silence, um, whenever God would ask you to do this, you, you need to really present yourself to the Lord for it because it's an obedience to something that I firmly believe he said. And then you need, to, you need to calm yourself and you need to make sure that not only are you in the natural um, saying, okay, for this next 30 minutes, I'm going to be silent before the Lord, but you need to, you need to shut down your thinking you need to shut down, shut off your phone. You need to, you know, <laughs> and you need to, um, you need to really make sure you need to, you need to make sure that there is silence within. And then what I do is I just try to maintain that silence where I'm not thinking anything. I, and if anything, if I start thinking something, I immediately take authority over it. You know, Paul wrote about this. He said, you know, take every thought captive. And I, I, I kind of slap it away because it's me. I can slap myself. And um, don't you try it, though. Well, Robert, you, can, you wouldn't slap me. You're just very kind. But, you know, I, I, and I just wait for the still waters of, of his spirit within me. And... Um, I, I, I really try to keep that, uh, that stillness for as long as I can. I press away everything. And it's kind of like trying to hold your water under breath. Uh, you hold your breath, hold your water under breath. You don't want to do that. Hold your breath under water. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, but it, it, it's, it's really interesting. But what I notice happens is I'm feeling from the depth of who I am echoes of the presence of God that I never really recognized were there. And then at times then God will start talking to me. And I know the difference between my mind getting a word and God speaking. And 
this this is just an interesting it's an interesting thing and i feel like it's it's god allowing this silence is allowing god to deepen us in what he created us to be to deepen the wells within us to deepen the deposit the capacity for the deposit of the spirit within us and to broaden the place where deep calls to deep and to to hear him in a deeper way and um and i also believe that some of the things then that that i sense as as this begins to happen uh it, it's even on a different wave of of how i perceive things in the spirit realm and i guess what i'm saying is god is using this as an offering to him for what he's going to do but i think that it is also preparing us for our place in that which is why there's the connection i think between the prayers of the saints in this silence in heaven because part of our prayers part of that prosuke is to to hear from god and we need that i need to have an expanded measure of wavelengths to where i can sense what god is saying he that has an ear let him hear what the spirit is saying which indicates that just having an ear and being in the church is not is not all that's necessary to hear what the spirit is saying otherwise jesus wouldn't have said that over and over again it seems a bit redundant isn't it if it was just automatic so i think that god is wanting to expand our ability to hear what the spirit is saying and that stillness Yes, it's an offering to God. Yes, it's preparing a way for what he's going to do. Yes, it is, it is combining with the intercession that we continue to offer. Yes, it is also silencing the enemy, and it's counteracting in the spirit realm. The presence of it is counteracting some of the things that the enemy is trying to delude our nation and our world with. And it's also broadening our ability to know God and to hear from him and to really understand to a greater degree what he actually has made us to be. And so I I usually let this happen and it, it's it, it, it you can't you can't jurisdict a, a set of rules. The only rules I say is to is to commit yourself, shut off your phone, take authority over your thoughts and try as long as you can to, to keep that still waters, that stillness, that placid place of your spirit just open before the Lord. And then he may not say anything to you. See, this is where I get in trouble when I say God speaks to me because then, oh, God didn't speak to me. You know, however God relates to you, he will do that. And, you know, Sometimes it seems like, I, you know, John said it's, it was like uh, for, for almost half an hour. I mean, he, he says, how many other times in the, in the book of Revelation does it speak an hour, an hour, an hour? And it, it, the fact that John said it the way he did was that he didn't recognize exactly how much time was, was going on. And it does seem like that time just kind of drifts by. And I resist the temptation to look at the clock. I resist, the, what's going what's to happen if you go 40 minutes? 
Are you going to have to pay overtime to God? You know, I don't think so. But I usually wait, and, and uh, when I feel like things are kind of concluded, usually when I look, it's 25 or 28 or 34. You know, it's around there. And then how I emerge from that is important too. I give, I give thanks to the Lord. And um, it's very difficult during this time not to be speaking in diversities of tongues, isn't it? I mean, there's sometimes I'll feel a pulse in my spirit and pretty soon my lips start moving and I'm <laughs> I do that because I'm just used to doing that. But, and it's not that God doesn't want me to pray. It's just that I'm honoring what it is that, that he's asked. And so I give thanks to him, and I try to reflect on what I've just experienced and, and so that I don't forget any of it. And I, and I begin to thank him that he, is, that he is, for all the things I just said, that he is, this is an offering to him. Thank you for letting me offer this to you. Thank you for asking Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the way you're going to use the prayers of the saints and you're using it. Thank you for the way that you're silencing the enemy. Thank you for the way that you are broadening the horizons of how I know you. I go through all of that. And, and if, if God has shared something that I feel is really noteworthy beyond just the wonder of knowing his love, I thank him for that. And it's funny how when I begin to speak when I begin to speak what he showed me, it's, it's almost like a flower opening. So you don't just do 30 minutes and then go in the kitchen to get a Dr. Pepper. You know, take that moment to emerge and, and use the, the romantic nuts and bolts to process what you've just experienced. Otherwise, it's just an experience, no matter how wonderful it is. And so um, this silence... Thing is what I believe we're supposed to do every day this month during this month of fast and feasting, fast of feasting. Now, I want to say this as well. This is not some, and it's just quarter after. It's what you get when you don't have an outline. So there's plenty of time left. Um, the, uh, there's a lot of people who use silence and meditation in the New Age. The Catholics have have entire orders that are committed to silence. And um, uh, in fact, yesterday I thought it was funny because I'm on this, this thing called BookBub. And so they send me these emails telling me, you know, today this book you can buy for 99 cents. And so I bought a number of history books and I can speed read. I only paid a dollar for it. And I, I can read a whole bunch in one day. So there was this book called Silence, and I recognized it was by one of the Catholic orders. It wasn't one of the progressive or New Age roar-like things, but it was really talking about what they, what they try to do in the orders that practice silence. So I thought, well, I'll buy that, and I pled the blood over it before I read it. You know, I just thought, I just want to see what they're saying. So I'm going through it, and there's a lot of Hail Marys and a lot of other things like that, which I just pushed away. But this guy starts talking about how they've recognized that there are, there are different uh, levels of your spirit. And, and I thought, well, I can agree with that. You know, it's a development. And they started talking about how that 
the way they first went into this was really what I thought was a noble thing, that they wanted to, to recognize God more fully in his beauty. And, you know, it's, it's really kind of funny because, you know, when we were teaching the, the West Virginia and Ohio group, um, I, I talked a little bit about um, activations, city activations. And I talked about people in history like um, Martin of Tours. Is that right, Katie? Tours. And um, Benefas, who, who was really... Uh, he, he's the one that founded an, an order of Catholicism and really established the first monastery. But, but these guys initially went in and did spiritual warfare, and they would tear down altars to Apollo and the, the tear down altars to other demonic entities and just, I mean, not only tear them down, but just break them apart. And they had the power of Rome behind them at that point, so nobody was going to come and do anything. And then they would, they would establish a place where God could be worshipped. And it was interesting to read about um, this first monastery uh, because, and it was actually up in a place that's well known from World War II. Um, it's way up on the top of a mountain and the allies that the Nazis had set up in Italy had set up uh, an encampment there and it was impenetrable. And no matter how many times we bombed that place, we couldn't get them off there. And it is an interesting story to hear how that the, the, the troops went up and finally destroyed the Nazi encampment up there. But that's where this original monastery was. And that's where the, uh, um, the, the first altars, you know, the enemy had all these altars set up and groves around. And, you know, they busted the altars and burned the groves. And they said, we need to, these people in this area are so demonically uh, influenced that we need to start training them so that they can learn how to serve God. And so we need to do a place, and what better place than here where they used to sacrifice to the demons. We're going to train people how to serve God. Now, again, I'm, not, I'm just saying at the beginning that was a good thing. At the beginning. Now it's not so much. But the whole idea of the silence has been taken and used and misused but i believe this is one of the uh, one of the things that through god's scripture we as saints are being asked in combination with our prayers to recapture on behalf of the lord and again i encourage you go through your bible and look at how many times god said be silent be still and and what it says after immediately after that he's going to do and even the still small voice with Elijah, you know, he's got all this pyrotechnic display. It was a real 4th of July celebration up there on the top of the mountain. Rocks are being split in two, and God's not in any of that. And he wraps his mantle around his head at the opening of the cave, and the still small voice speaks. What is it necessary, what is necessary for us to come into that stillness, for you and me to come into that stillness so that we can hear 
what God is going to do. And what was God going to do next? What have we said? The stillness and the silence always sets the stage in God's economy for what's coming next. Well, what was coming next was something that Elijah would not get past. He would not surrender that injustice he felt he had. God loved him, but what was supposed to happen was he and Elisha were supposed to go forth and to work with the sons of the prophets and anoint new kings and to see to it that the, 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 the reign of Ahab was finally purged. That's what God was speaking about in that silence and reminding Elijah of what he, what he was. It was a time of transition. And so I think here at the crux of this year, that, or that's not a good word, here at the midpoint of the year, this fast of feasting and this silence is something that God is using to prepare us for what's coming. And all of those things, the anticipation of what's coming next, the offering and obedience before God, the combination with it and our intercession as saints, the silencing of the enemy, the welcoming of the deepening of our relationship with God, that our ears would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I don't want to miss what God is saying to the ecclesia. Do you? I don't want to miss this. There's so much noise. There's so much clamor. There's so many opinions. There's so many people trying to tell us what to do if we really want to be people of love. And if we don't do it, well, you're a nasty so-and-so, and you're this and you're that. I need to get that mantle wrapped toe around my head that I'm only hearing what God says. That's what we need. Because that's the narrow way. And few there are that find it. So I encourage you to embrace this moment on this weekend dedicated to freedom. That we would be ready for what God is about to manifest. He's already doing it which is why the enemy's moving so hard. We know this from a pneumatic principle. Whenever God wants to do a thing, the enemy comes in one way. Isn't that what it says? The enemy comes in one way, he's going to be caused to flee in seven. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up his banner. This is what the enemy's trying to do right now. And I've, I don't think the world has ever seen, the world in general has ever seen What's happening right now? There must be something amazing that God's about to do for the enemy to be trying to stop it that way. Amen? And so these offerings that we're giving are before our Father, but also to make sure that we are ready, that we are ready to move with Him. And I'm grateful. You know, this remnant that we have left, they are good. It's a good remnant. It's good. Um, I, uh, I look around this room and I see people who have amazing giftings. And you have stood faithfully. You've not, no matter what tactic has been used, you have not abandoned your post. And God sees that. And he, he, he loves you. And he appreciates that. And you don't know how that point of reliance upon the Lord has strengthened you in the economy of God. So take hope and take heart. Do not be, uh, do not be as what Les was saying earlier. Whose report are you going to believe? Remember 
the report of the Lord and remember what he's asked you to do and um, do it and expect it to be pleasing in his sight. Now, the last thing is, what time of the day should you do this? Now, I've said this. Don't do it when you're laying in bed. Okay? There's just too many things that could go sideways there. <laughs> and, you know, I've done it. Uh, usually, uh, I, I wait until the Lord says do it. And then I do it. Sometimes it's first thing in the morning. You know, today I got here. When do what I normally do, I go around, make sure the air conditionings are on and the doors are open and things are right. And then I pray for a little bit. And when I walked in, just about to do that, God said, now, the silence. You know, yesterday, I came in, I thought, well, I'm going to walk around here. I just ministered for two hours to these, with, with these Brazilian pastors. I'm going to walk around and pray in the Spirit. I'm, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm, I'm silly with divers tongues right now. You know, I'm going to go and do this. And God said, okay, you've done this for a minute. Now get on your face and be quiet. <laughs> Which, and I thought, you know, as a pastor, I think, no, you know, there are several people in here. What are they going to think? All of a sudden I was praying and now I'm quiet. They're going to think nothing happened in here. I might as well leave. No, no, nobody thought that. But in the past that's happened. But, you know, just be sensitive to what the Lord says to do. A couple days ago, I thought I was going to get up in the morning. I came in really early, and I thought, okay, I'm going to start this day. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to watch the sunrise, and I'm going to be silent. That was not the time. <laughs> and it didn't happen until later in the afternoon. I just mean, be sensitive to the Spirit. Make it something that's an appointment with Him. But I would say this, if it's 10 o'clock at night and you've not done it yet, you may have missed the call. So don't lay down in bed. Do it right then and, and, and do it before the Lord. I'm telling you, this is really an important thing. And I, I know that God has spoken this, but let him develop that deep place in you. And, you know, all of us need this, but as I look around this room, I see some who, whatever God's going to do in this time is going to unlock a, a timing point for you. Like with your giftings and your callings, just as timing in, in the silence opens up something that God's about to do in a big scale, there's something God's going to do in you that he's spoken to you about for a long time, and this silence is going to open that door. It's going to be used by God to prepare you for that door to be open. So, seventh month, fast of feasting, silence 30 minutes a day. Um, let's, let's, keep, let's keep expectant because um, God is with you. And God is with all of us. Amen? Well, Father, I proclaim your, your blessing upon my congregation, those that are gathered in this house, and those who are joining with us across the, the miles through Internet. And, and I speak blessing upon 
these wonderful folks. And I thank you for the way that they have remained faithful in so many ways against all odds. But yet, Father, you have seen their commitment and their love for you. And as their pastor, I ask you that you will pour out a blessing upon them and take them into this new place that you have ordained for them that is deeper and broader than what they've known. It's the same place, but it's, it's an expansion. And do your perfect work. Use them, Father, in the way that you have ordained to use them. I speak over our network family, and I, I ask the same type of thing for each of you. And I speak blessing upon the nations. I speak blessing upon all of those pastors that this house was able to reach out to yesterday. And God, I pray that as they go into their evening services, which is when they meet on Sundays, that you would pour out your spirit. Let this falling upon that was talked about several times today fall upon them all over Brazil. And Lord, let your spirit do what you have longed to do in the midst of them. And Father, I pray that if there are any needs in this house, anyone who needs provision or anyone who needs a solution of some sort or anyone who needs uh, any type of thing, I release that provision to them now in Jesus' name. Bring healing and life. Bring restoration. And I thank you, Father, for that. Lord, I appreciate that we're able to be here together today. And I pray that you will continue to use your people from this moment forward. Use us every day this week. And we thank you for it, Father, for your glory and for your kingdom. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless all of you. Thanks for being here. It's so good to see all of you. And um, we will look forward to the next time we can be together. God bless.